0: Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 18, we're going to continue in our study in the life of Hezekiah, 2 Kings chapter 18. We're also going to be looking at 2 Chronicles in a little bit here in the message, dealing with the same situation and some of the things that went on, and that'll be in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, so you might have that marked and ready for when we turn to it. Notice in 2 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 13. Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lakei, saying, I have offended, return from me. That which thou puttest on are returned from me, that which thou puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, three hundred talents of silver and thirty talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord, and in the treasures of the king's house. At that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the uh, pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid, and gave it to the king of Assyria. Now, Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and as we learn more about this king, that you praise higher than any of the other kings of the southern kingdom. We pray, dear God, that you would have lessons for us to teach us and instruct us in very practical matters in our own Christian life. God, work your perfect will in us, we pray. May we listen on purpose to allow you to change our lives. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you look back in verse 5 of chapter 18, it says of Hezekiah that he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. So of the southern kingdom, there was no king like Hezekiah before him who would wholly follow the Lord and no king like him after him. You remember of the two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, each kingdom had 19 kings. Of the northern kingdom, it is said of every one of the kings that they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Of the 19 kings of Judah, nine of them, it is said, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But even out of those nine kings, there was none of them that were so wholly given over to the Lord, as was Hezekiah. And that's especially amazing in light of the fact that both his father and his grandfather did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. His father had built idolatrous altars throughout the city of Jerusalem. His father was a wicked, wicked king. That just lets you know that even if you come from a household of drunkards or whatever, that you can still decide to live for God. And if you come from a household of believers, you're especially responsible to live for God. For to whom much is given, much shall be required. You can't blame the problems in your own spiritual state on those who've gone on before you. You can make up your mind that you're going to live for God. You remember, as he began his reign in the very first month of the very first year, he decided that he was going to restore worship in Jerusalem. And he did that. He started by having the house of God taken care of. And then you remember they had the Passover. And they even extended the Passover in the second month uh, to another week. And these people got sold out to God. So the people, I don't care how dark the situation may have looked, When he became king, the people could still be led to do that which was right. And they had a revival that lasted the first 14 years of his reign. Now, revivals are wonderful, but revivals are only temporary. Now, some only last for a week or so. Some may last for a few months. But you've got a revival like this one that took place for 14 years. But I want you to understand this. Just because you have a revival that goes on for at least 14 years does not mean that you're going to be without battles. It does not mean that you're going to be without hardships. It does not mean that you're not going to face some very difficult, difficult times. But thank God for the revival In him, in order to have the war campaign that he's going to have, he had to have that spiritual, that worship campaign take place first of all. And Hezekiah stood where his dad wouldn't stand and where his son wouldn't stand. Here's another lesson for us. We're responsible for the time we're here. We are responsible to do right. Don't listen to society. Don't follow the compromised church. Simply follow the word of God. We are responsible to do right. But even in the doing of right, There's still going to be the storms of life that are going to take place. By the way, it's those who wholly follow the Lord that are ready for the storms. They're the wise men who build their house upon the rock. For the foolish men, they're the ones that hear the word of God and they don't keep it. They have no foundation. So when the storms come, they fall. That's one of the reasons why the northern kingdom fell 140 years before the southern kingdom fell because at least there were nine kings during their time in the southern kingdom that decided they were going to build their house on the rock and did that, which was right, in the sight of the Lord. Now, we come to this passage. The 14 years have passed. And uh, here they are, 14 years. He's going to reign for 29 years. And in the 14th year, it's going to be a momentous year for Hezekiah, because you've got Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, coming down upon Judah, taking a great number of cities, walled cities, in Judah. And that's his strategy because he wanted to take out the cities that could offer any help to the city of Jerusalem so that Jerusalem would end up standing alone. But also in his 14th year, he's going to get sick. Matter of fact, God will send Isaiah to uh, to the king to tell him that He's to put his house in order. He's going to die. And he prays and God gives him 15 more years. So this is a pivotal year in the life of King Hezekiah. Now, we notice, first of all, the moment of the invasion, Uh, the uh, moment and reign of Hezekiah, the 14th year of his reign brought those two most traumatic times to his life. This trial from Sennacherib, he was a powerful king. Judah is not a big nation at this time, uh, and the northern kingdom's already been taken. And before, as I said, before he attacked Jerusalem, he took out a number of the cities. Uh, The timing of what takes place lets us know in this 14th year that it was also the same year, of course, that he would get sick. Here's the thing you need to understand. You can abound in trials. You can abound in sickness. I mean, you look at the scripture and you find a number of people who who had illnesses that were very severe. Look at Job. And it really didn't look like Job was going to come out of it. But Job was God's champion for sickness. Job was a perfect man. He eschewed that which was evil. And yet he got sick. He lost all of his family. He lost all but his wife. He lost all of his possessions. He lost his health. He lost all of that. And yet he remained true in following the Lord. What was God doing in his life? God's always right. You understand that your life here is only temporary. You don't yet know how long it's going to be. But you're going to die. You might get to be up to 85. Might die for some of you. You might not get to be 45. You might not get to be 25. Do you understand? There's some teenagers that may never make it out of their teens. The point is, what are you going to do with the time that you've got? Are you going to use it for the Lord? Are, are, do you have a fair weather God? As long as things are okay, you'll serve Him. Are you trying to put, uh, threaten God? That's a dangerous place to stand. Just understand, trials come to everybody and death comes to everybody. The only ones who are going to escape death are those who get caught up in the rapture. So it's happening for everybody. Death is serious, isn't it? Uh, Death doesn't owe us to be able to have our parents for 80 years of life uh, or to have them for 50 years of life or to have them for 20 years of life. He doesn't owe us to have our children uh, until after we die. Sometimes children die before the parents do. And it happens in Christian homes. It happens in sweet, dear homes. Christian homes. I just want you to get ahead of this because we expect God to allow us to have all the things that we want. And we don't believe it's right when death or cancer, sickness, tragedy comes into our lives. That's all because of sin. If you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at the devil, get mad at Adam and Eve, Don't get mad of God because God offers you salvation where there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. We have a great God who is good all the time. Now, the moment of revival under Hezekiah is seen as we go over to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Notice verse 1. It says, After these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. Now, that word establishment is interesting. This had not been a fly-by-night revival that ended when the preacher left town. This had been a revival that had gone on for 14 years. Great things were done. It had been going on. During that time, and it's hard for some people to imagine or to understand that troubles often follow piety. Remember when Jesus was baptized and the dove ascended upon him and the voice of God was heard. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What's next? The next thing is the temptation of Christ. He's going to go 40 days without food. And the devil's going to come along to tempt him. There's going to be a spiritual battle that's going to be fought. The crucifixion took place just six days after the triumphal entry. Think about that. People are shouting Hosanna to the son of David. And less than a week later, people are crying, crucify him, crucify him. That's part of the guile of the world. Paul was persecuted for proclaiming the truth about Christ. And now Hezekiah is persecuted by a pagan, a heathen, because of his God. The glory, is, glory of God is involved in every trial. And this inv- invasion gave God an opportunity to display his power. But a lot of people had been displaced. As a matter of fact, in the archives of uh, Sennacherib, it is uh, stated that he took 46 cities in Judah. 46. Now, that's a number of people who also had to suffer. And someone thinks, well, that's not fair. But Christ suffered for us to enjoy an eternity with him. It wasn't fair that he should suffer. But it's never been about fair. Life is not about fair. You know, that's one thing this whole woke crowd doesn't understand. It's not about fair. It's about right and wrong. It's about good and evil. It's about life and death. I mean, this is all. Very, very serious. Life is not a game. We see the might of the invasion. Get back here in chapter 18. Because Hezekiah begins in his response, much like we would begin, in a trial that would hit us. We automatically begin to think, how can we get out of this? Now, Hezekiah is a great king. He's going to do some great things. He's going to show some tremendous acts of courage. But when Sennacherib comes down upon them, notice in verse 14, And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lake, saying, I have offended. He's saying, I'm sorry. He's not standing up to Sennacherib at this time. He's trying to placate Sennacherib at this time. I'm sorry. Whatever you demand of me, we'll pay it. But I'm going to tell you what, you can't make deals with evil. You know, Moses wouldn't make a deal with Pharaoh. Pharaoh would say, well, you can go, but you can't go far. No, that doesn't work. Well, you can go, but don't take your children. No, that doesn't work. We well, can go, but you can't take your livestock. No, we need that for sacrifice. We don't know how long we're going to be. He wouldn't get, give in to the compromise of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was the greatest king in the world at that time, the most powerful nation on earth at that time. But he didn't give in. Here's Hezekiah. Things have been going great for these first 14 years. Now Sennacherib's come upon them, and he starts out by apologizing. And the king of Assyria demands of Hezekiah that he give them 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So what does Hezekiah do with that? Notice in verse 15. Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found where? Hezekiah, that's not like you. Do you realize that some people, in a moment of hardship, trial, fear, and uncertainty, they don't always respond right? I want you to get that. Hezekiah's a good man. He's not responding right here. He's trying to placate. So he goes to the house. Notice, it didn't say the house of Hezekiah. He went to the house of the Lord. He had no business doing that. And then he took stuff from his own house because there wasn't evidently the amount that was required. Uh, there wasn't enough there. So he took of his own house and he gave of that as well. And then in verse 16, and that ta- at that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah king of Judah had overlaid. And he gave it to the king of Assyria. But that's not going to placate Sennacherib because he wants Jerusalem. Kind of reminds you how Europe went when Hitler started taking over countries before World War II. Remember Chamberlain, Neville Chamberlain went and tried to placate Hitler and came back with a peace agreement. And everybody knew that wasn't going to work, but Neville Chamberlain, that Hitler, it wasn't wasn't about getting what he just got. He wanted it all. And he was bent on getting it all, no matter how many thousands of people would die at his hand. Talk about a mass murderer. That was Hitler. And we're not just talking about the Jews during the Holocaust. Man, think of all the different countries where he'd send his bombers in, bomb the cities, killed people by the thousands. Russia, France, took over country after country. He wasn't, didn't mind, it didn't bother him to put so many people to death. That's what he did. So we see him ready and willing to give in. You've got the capitulation to the conqueror here. As we've already said, Hezekiah comes on stronger later, but the scripture tells us that basically he panicked at first and tried to appease this godless king. You know, it reminds us that great men are still human. Great men are still human. As a matter of fact, I had a teacher that used to say, and this helped me early in my Christian life after I surrendered to preach going off to Tennessee Temple, Dr. Fred Athman used to make this statement. He used to say, even the best men are still men at best. It's what they are. If you learn that, back at that time in the 1970s, Dr. John R. Rice of the Sword of the Lord and Bob Jones Jr. were at odds with one another and it was very, very public. And Dr. Raffman would say, I heard him say it many times. I had him for a number of classes. Just remember, even the best men are still men at best. The fact that two good men are mad at one another doesn't mean they're bad men. It means they're just men. I want you to get a hold of that. Because sometimes you may may hear a Christian that you look up to respond in a very unchristian-like way to somebody else. Well, hey. That tells you they're still just men. They're not in their heavenly body yet. They're still just men. So you don't throw them away. Good for nothing. Thank God God doesn't throw us away. And uh, we sure do deserve it. I mean, after all, you look at Paul and Barnabas, and uh, they were upset about the situation with John Mark. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them on their second missionary journey. And uh, Paul wanted nothing to do with John Mark. Now, I've heard different messages from different preachers on that thing. The amazing thing is, God doesn't tell us who was right and who was wrong. He doesn't tell us. I know preachers that think they know the answer, but God doesn't say either one of them's right or wrong. I tell you what God did, He made two missionary groups out of one. So either way, God got the glory, and God can take care of them. I don't need to condemn either one of them. Peter was swayed by some of the Christians that came up from the city of Jerusalem, from the church at Jerusalem, when he was up visiting the church at Antioch. For that, Paul had to withstand him to the faith. I mean, Peter, that good man, that great man, that leader, it appears, of the early apostles, uh, at least he's one that took that position of leadership over and over again. And yet still, we see Peter sometimes acting like the Peter we knew of before the day of Pentecost. And he did that there. Just understand, all right, Hezekiah messes up here. He apologizes for the offense. Kind of reminds me of some of these uh, preachers that when they've made very strong statements about homosexuality and uh, folks start complaining about them, and then they get up and apologize for their Christian views. Let me tell you, you're standing for the word of God, you just keep standing there, that's right. Don't apologize for standing for right. Stand true. But I'm going to tell you what, what it seems like, especially today with all the social media that's out there and people are blasting you on every hand and the news media is blasting you and that's all you hear, you know, that's all your family hears, that's all your church hears, that's all the people who followed you here. hear you think, Mel, can I calm this down by apologizing? No, the reason they're carrying on like they do is they already hate you. You're not going to make them like you. So don't bother to apologize for standing for right. Just make you sure you stand rightly for right. So he makes an appeal to the king when he should be appealing to God. I'm sorry, whatever you say, I'll pay it. He should have been appealing to God. Now he's going to learn that lesson. He's going to go to the Lord later when he gets a threatening letter from Sennacherib. And God's going to intervene, and a whole bunch of Assyrians are going to wake up dead. And we'll be covering that in another week, by the way. So Sennacherib calls for the 300 talents of silver, 30 of gold. Not enough. He doesn't have it. Um, And so he has to go to the Lord's house. Then we find him in verses 15 and 16 as he's willing to tear the Lord's house up. You Remember, the Lord's house, that he's the one that had fixed up. And now he feels like he's got the right to tear it apart. He gets the payment from the house of the Lord, even the doors. It's like Elijah, the fearless man, who after standing strong against the 450 prophets of Baal, plus the other 400 prophets that were there, and uh, he has them all killed the next day, one woman says, you're going to be dead tomorrow at this time, and he takes off running, and he didn't stop for 60 miles. Once he started running, it was easy to keep running. That brave man on Mount Carmel, he doesn't look so brave while he's running away from Jezebel. But then he's just a man. He's just a man. Heroes don't even do right in Hollywood. Isn't that right? How we move on? The mobilization for the invasion. Finally, when he decides to stand up against Sennacherib, go back to chapter 32 of Second Chronicles. He does a number of things. All right, he's threatened by the Assyrians. They say, well, God can take care of it all. Yeah, but he needs to put some things in order. I mean, after all, if suddenly we have a cold front come in, temperatures dip to 30 degrees, you've still got to put on a coat. You can't expect God to keep you warm if you're not going to wear warm clothing. You understand that? If you're not going to wear warm clothing... And you've got warm clothing to wear, then you just freeze. Notice the stopping of the water, first of all, verses two and two through four. When it says when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city and they did help them. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Well, now this is just intelligent. Obviously, the Assyrians are going to have to put Jerusalem to a siege, which means they're going to have to be at one place for a long time. Don't make it easy for them. Stop up all the water. So now they've got to be concerned about bringing their own water in, which is going to keep a number of their people very busy. Just a smart move to make. And then the strengthening of, his, of the will in verse 5. Also, he strengthened himself. I like that. He strengthened himself. Did you ever talk to yourself... Now, I don't mean crazy. I mean, have you just told yourself to straighten up? I mean, I've had to do that a lot, it seems like. Quit being such a baby, Mike. Look in the mirror, you know. I mean, things happen in your life. You say, man, I I, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I to go. I'm not the first person that's had to go through these things. Other people have gone through it. Why can't I go through it? I'll tell you, the first time I remember a time that I just hated was when the kids left home. I hated it when the kids left home. Something about an empty house. I just hate it. We had such, really, we just had such good fellowship with our kids and growing up, they never, I'm not going to say they never caused us a minutes problem, uh, but probably 15 minutes of discipline took care of that minutes problem. We enjoyed our kids. And our kids at least acted like they enjoyed being at home. Praise the Lord for that. But when they left, man, I remember when we dropped Kathy off at school. And we still had Carrie at the house. We should have been satisfied with her. But when we pulled away from Fairhaven, we dropped her off, Fairhaven Baptist College. When we pulled away, she turned around to walk toward the dorm. Because she wasn't going to stand there and wave and break down. Uh, My wife and I didn't say a word for the next hour down the road. Had either one of us spoken? It would have been. "Ah!" That would have been me. I think my wife would have done it, too. But our hearts were just, man, that just hurt. It just hurt every semester, by the way. She'd call in that first week crying. Every semester. Now, that's eight semesters, four years. And do you know that I wanted to say, honey, we'll be right back up there, and we'll bring you back here. I didn't do it. Didn't do it. It was good for her to stick it out. Then when Carrie, and there were some times when, you know, I wanted to just baby. Of course, I still remember with Kathy, the time that she called me, she was just crying. She was boo-hooing. It was terrible. She said, Daddy, I got a ticket. And she's crying now if you got daughters you don't hear your daughters cry that just tears you up and i said well honey that's okay that's okay everybody gets a ticket once in a while how (laughs) how fast were you going 84 miles 84 miles an hour
1: (laughs) what on earth
0: were you going 84 miles an hour for She said, Daddy, I was about out of gas and I was afraid if I didn't get to the filling station quick enough, I'd I'd be stuck on the side of the road. (laughs) Well, then I started laughing. I thought that was funny. (laughs) Oh, my stars. Those bring back memories. There's a lot of things you can laugh about now you couldn't laugh about at the time. You know what I mean? Uh, But I'd say, Lord, I, I don't like this. I don't like the kids being out, of, out gone. Well, you, you raised them to go on and do some things with their life, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. And don't you think I've got other servants that have had to do things too? Yeah. So grow up. Just quit you like men. Be strong. That's all part of life, isn't it? And now I'm at an age where I can't do a lot of the things that I used to really love to do. All right. Am I the first person that's gotten like that? No. Because if you're fortunate enough, if God blesses you enough to allow you to live, they're just going to be later on. You're not going to be able to do as much as what you used to do. That's part of life. Amen. Well, that was all just extra. So he strengthened himself. Bible says in 2 Chronicles 23, 1, Jehoiada strengthened himself. In chapter 15, and verse 8, Amaziah strengthened himself. When Moses died and Joshua takes over, God says to him, be strong and of a good courage. Be strong. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Be strong and of a good courage. There are times we just need to be strengthened. When the apostle Paul was on the ship that was in the storm, the Lord appeared unto him at night. And that encouraged him. At times you just got to strengthen yourself. You see, courage is not being without fear. Courage is doing what you should do even when you fear. You look at the three, uh, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the king said, if you don't bow, your God can't save you. They said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer. They are God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing. We're just not bowing. They get thrown into the fiery furnace, and Jesus is in there with them. They come out without even a smell of smoke on them. 1 Corinthians 16 13, watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. And then he does something else very practical. In verse 5, it says uh, in the rest of that verse, and he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken. And raised it up to the towers and another wall without, and repaired Milo in the city of David, and made darts and shields in abundance, so we see that the parts of the wall that were in disrepair that he rebuilt them, he strengthened them so that and those would be obvious places where that the enemy would attack, and so he's building him up, he's doing what he can, he's still outnumbered. The other cities have still been taken. It doesn't look good, but he's doing what he can do. He's king. Just right for him to do that. So he shores up the walls. We have walls, by the way. I don't know if you realize it or not. But you take the stand that we've had at Madison Baptist Church from the very beginning. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, the fact that we've not changed our doctrine here at Madison Baptist Church, why? Those are our walls right there. We're not going to knock them down to please people on the outside. Every Every Sunday, I take a look at the bulletin just to make sure that what we have stated there on the inside of the bulletin is still there. We're not changing what we believe on sin and righteousness and godliness and holiness. We're still going to stand for those things. You start knocking down those walls and you've got no protection whatsoever. I like it that when people leave here because they don't like where we're standing. Because after all, you can go to all kinds of churches. You can believe, do whatever you want to do. You can be tied into Hollywood and, and immorality and all kinds of things. It doesn't bother them. That's fine. They know they come back to Madison Baptist Church. We're going to be right where we've always been, standing by the Word of God. Some people don't like our student handbook. We have a student handbook for a reason. We stand for things. There are things we're not going to allow. If we're going to give a Christian education, then there are things we're not going to allow in our school. It's as simple as that. We're not going through all this trouble and sacrifice to end up giving them the same stuff the public school gives them. We are different. And we are different on purpose. Those are our walls. By the way, people around here know Madison Baptist Church is different. They know we're not like a whole lot of other churches that are willing to compromise. Um, You know... You take a look at Madison Baptist Academy. Madison Baptist Academy is not big. I've never tried to make it big. I want people who want what we've got. If they want something else, I can suggest all kinds of places for them to go. But they're not going to come in here and change us. I mean, that's not right. It's like people who don't like our country. All right, leave it. Then you got, (laughs) you got then the selecting of the warriors, verse 6. He says here, and he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate and the city and spake comfortably to them, saying, be strong and courageous. So at first he strengthened himself. Then he appointed warriors to strengthen others. I mean, warriors that would fight. One of the things you learn about Israel, there are times they And other times when their hearts melted, they need leaders that wouldn't run. They need leaders that wouldn't bend. They need leaders to be an example to the other men that would be on the wall. Because once a few people start running, a whole bunch of people start running. And unfortunately, that's too true all too often. So he takes a stand. He says, be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. Sounds like Elisha talking to Gehazi, his servant, doesn't it? Remember when the servant looked around and he saw the Syrian armies that were there that were around him and he was fearful. And so God says, open, open your eyes. God opened his eyes and he could see the, fire, the chariots of fire all about them. Listen, God's still real. He's still got the chariots of fire. He's still about us. We can still stand. Amen. And then the speech about the war in verse uh, 6, where he set them. He begins to speak, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. You know, there was a time when the largest church in almost every state of the United States was an independent Baptist church. An independent, separated, soul winning Baptist church. That's not hardly the case any place today. Now there are reasons for that. You see, it's not the separated churches that do it. It's really, for lack of a better term, it's the woke churches that are out there today. That don't stand for anything but getting a crowd. Oh, you can go to them, man, you can have a great time. You can get your ears filled with all the rock music. As a matter of fact, they don't mind you going to the movie theater and they don't mind you going to all the rock and roll places. They don't mind you worshiping the devil as long as you come in and spend some time with them and glorify the Lord. Good God, good devil, that's what they're for. But if you're going to stand for God today, you're going to be in the minority and sadly... Even among independent Baptist churches, they've been willing and preachers have been willing to compromise to keep the offering plate full. And we're not doing it. At least as long as I'm here, we're not doing it. Of course, you realize when, it's, when God calls for me to do whatever or just takes me on home or whatever, who the church calls will determine the direction of the church. So you don't wait. You don't pick somebody because they've got a good personality and uh, they sound good when they stand the pulpit. If they don't stand by the King James Bible, then you don't know what you're going to have a year from now or two years from now. Wow, I didn't even have all that down. I just said that. Note the end of verse 8. The end of verse 8, he says, And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Words have power. Hezekiah is speaking the right words. And these people, you know, they know if Sennacherib comes in, there's a good possibility they're going to be dead. And Hezekiah said, listen, our God can protect us. You stand. And with the things that he said, told them to be strong and of a good courage, they took heart and they decided to stand with him. Friend, you have an influence on people. Better be careful of the things that you say because you may may literally break the heart and break the spirit of some good people if you're not willing to stand, even though you're outnumbered, even though it looks like, oh no, another family may leave. Hey, that's all right. I want to be true to God. If you can't be true to God in the hard times, you really won't be true to him in the good times either. Standing for him. What trials are you facing tonight whether it be in work your family marriage we're not to run we're not to fall back on human reasoning we're to encourage ourselves in the lord and stand we don't know what lies ahead for us in this country we don't know what lies ahead for us in our own community right now there's a group there's a group in madison and I think it's called I Vote Madison or something like that, that are, and they're trying to go to a, a city manager, away from, an elected, from elected officials to a city manager. It's a group that has communist backing to it. And a lot of people don't know that. Their title sounds great. The communists have always been good things like that. But we have, we have a bunch of college graduates today that think there's nothing wrong with communism. I mean, it's phenomenal. Who would have thought that would have happened in America, in our lifetime? But it has. I still hate communism. Amen. I hate Calvinism and, com- and Calvinism and communism and a lot of those other C's that are out there too. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. God, please, no matter what's going on in the world about us, no matter what we face here in the future, help us to stand right. Help us, Lord, in the midst of trials to stand for you. Trials are going to come. Battles are going to come. Personal trials, family trials, work trials, all of that. Church trials. Dear God, please keep us faithful to you, I pray. In Jesus' name.